Hello, welcome to another episode of Inspiration from Zion. I'm Jonathan Feldstein, and I have the privilege of being your host, coming to you from the Judean Mountains here in Israel. I like to refer to it as the original Bible Belt. Inspiration from Zion is a program of the Genesis 123 Foundation, whose mission is to build bridges between Jews and Christians and Christians with Israel in ways that are new, unique, and meaningful. I pray that you will find this, all of those. Through this program, we are excited to connect you to people and stories in and related to Israel to give you a window to look through, experiencing aspects of life here that you might not otherwise know about. We want this to be interactive, so please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com and send along any questions and any comments about any topic, anytime. Or you can reach us at genesis123.co or follow and like Inspiration from Zion on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Stay tuned until the end when we're also going to share some exciting opportunities for you. And please feel free to share this with people who you know who will also find it of interest. Today, we're going to be talking about something very big, very big that's happening between Israel and the Hispanic community. And if you follow last week's episode, you're going to understand how it is truly prophetic as we are reuniting people who were ripped away from the Jewish people centuries ago. We've got two tremendous guests, experts, to join us in this conversation today. And they're, one is an old friend and one is a new friend. And I'm so excited and honored to introduce them. Pa- Pastor Becky Keenan is in educating Christians concerning their moral obligation to support Israel for, for many, many years. This conviction stems from her father, who planted the seeds of love for the Jewish people after his service in the U.S. Army during World War II, where he observed the treatment of the Jewish people at the hands of the Nazis. Somewhat recently, in May 2011, Pastor Becky hosted the very first bilingual Night to Honor Israel event in Houston, Texas. Pastor John Hagee was the keynote speaker, and in addition, she successfully organized an interfaith Night to Honor Israel at Congregation Beth Beth Yashurin, which is the largest conservative synagogue in the United States. Pastor Becky has traveled to Israel numerous times, participating in a wide array of programs that are under Jewish and Israeli auspices, as well as different Christian ministries. She's participated in in, um, government activities uh, in Israel, and she's also uh, not only just in Israel has she been uh, honored and recognized, but she's a participant in the American Jewish Communities uh, community of conscious, and she was also appointed as commissioner to the Texas Holocaust and Genocide Commission by Governor Greg Abbott. Pastor Becky founded an organization called One with Israel, also in 2011, which is an educational grassroots movement of individuals, churches, and organizations that have made a commitment to demonstrate support for the Jewish community and the state of Israel. She's this, is also the Spanish voice of internationally known Bible teacher Joyce Meyer. And as such, Pastor Becky's voice is heard throughout Latin America by millions of people on a daily basis. Today, Pastor Becky is a National Hispanic Outreach Coordinator for CUFI, and together with her husband, Pastor Joe, they lead Gulf Meadows Church, a non-denominational congregation in Houston, Texas. She is also the proud mother of two amazing children. Jesse Rojo is a former Latin king who, as he says, is awaiting the return of Israel's king. He is the director of Philos Latino at the Philos Project, a Christian leadership community 
that seeks to promote positive Christian engagement in the Near East. Jesse is the host of the Philos' official Spanish radio program, Philos Conecta, and is, which is syndicated across the U.S., Hispanic communities, and throughout Latin America. He's also a board member of the Latino Coalition for Israel and a member of the board of directors of the National Hispanic Pastors Alliance. Jesse has traveled across eight Latin American countries with delegations to meet with heads of states and legislators on combating anti-Semitism. He's led dozens of fact-finding trips to Israel with influential leaders and interestingly has produced two short films, one called Israel Acapella, which is a documentary on presenting Israel beyond the bias of the media with famous evangelical musicians. This has been viewed by over 6 million homes. And the second film, which I'm not going to begin to attempt to pronounce in Spanish, in English, is called Rain Harvesters, a seven-time nominated documentary that's been featured in film festivals around the world about the Philos Project's partnership with the Israeli governmental agency Mashav and USAID in Guatemala. Jesse is also father of two and happily married. You can find his published works on his personal blog, jesserojo.com, and follow him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Rojo Central. So I'm so excited to have you both here with us today, and let's jump in. So Pastor Becky and Jesse, thank you for joining us. This is extraordinary to have both of you, and I'm so excited to be uh, be able to spend time with you at the uh, Road to Majority uh, Convention this week. Um, I, I've been thinking a lot about this conversation. Actually, it's something that's somewhat new and and like layers of an onion keeps co- uh, revealing itself to me, specific as it, as it relates to the relationship between uh, Jews and Israel with the Hispanic community, not, not just in the U.S. where you're located, but all over the world. What's fascinating to me is that when Jews were forced to convert during the Inquisition, many were also required to adopt a new last name and have an adoptive family sort of minding them that they were actually living as Christians. And some of the names that they adopted along with those families um, are triggers today to understand that maybe, in fact, well, the, what, what we actually think is evidence of as many as one in four Hispanics having actual significant Jewish roots um, and, and that are descended from, uh, from Jews. Mm-hmm. Th- these names are fascinating, and, and uh, are, we discussed it in the last episode with Ashley Perry, but what it underscores to me, and, and, I, and I think you both uh, have a lot of experience with this, is the obvious knowledge that there are significant shared ancestry, customs, traditions, common roots. Now, both of you, being as close as you are to Israel and the Jewish people, do you see things among Hispanics that indicate this, that people who are observing still Jewish customs today and, and connecting and feel like they're a part of Israel? And how do, how do you see that shared history and common ancestry? I want to start with you, Pastor Becky, with ladies and, and alphabetical first. Okay. Well, thank you for that question. And it it truly is fascinating to see what is, you know, happening. And like you say, this, this information being revealed, I think with the advent of DNA testing, we're able to delve into this deeper and people, common people can go out and be tested and see if they have some kind of, you know, uh, Jewish DNA, you know, ancestry and stuff like that. I had a really cool thing happen to us. 
Uh, I had a board whenever I did that night on Israel uh, so many years ago. And I had a couple. Uh, they're pastors here in Houston, and they're both uh, uh, Hispanic. Uh, during that time, it happened to be that there was an inheritance uh, issue on her side, and they had to they had been requested legally. This has nothing to do with pro-Israel work. It has nothing to do with anything. It's just a, a legal proceeding for uh, for an inheritance. Uh, uh, so she had to do her DNA test um, for for this, and it came right before we had the Naitana Israel. And um, what happened was they traced her ancestry all the way back to Spain. Wow. And what was absolutely like fascinating, this is really, I've heard a lot of these stories, but this one like took the cake uh, because she, um, even the expression, you, you marry a good boy, a good girl from a good family were kind of code uh, phrases saying that oh. they were Jewish. They're like us. They're, uh, you know, they're buena familia. And uh, when you go, when she went back, now this was in a, in a legal document, um, all the the people that had married had tweaked last names all the way back to Spain. So she had was, was uh, descended of Jews. They had kept that, although in a hidden way, but they had kept that. I'll give you an example. Her last name, one of her last names is Trevino, which is very common uh, amongst Mexicans, Trevino or Hispanics. Well, that is a tweak from tres viñas, three viñas. So it's kind of like code. I never knew that until she, she told me, you know, and, and, and other, um, uh, other names. Uh, So, I mean, we could go on and on. I don't want to take the whole time, but the, the kicker, the amazing, the, the cherry on the cake was that when I invited them to go to Israel on uh, one of one of the trips that I led, um, her husband, who was from Portugal but grew up in Venezuela, um, uh, had his oldest sister visit him the night before. Now he went to Israel. I think he was already in his seventies, strong, but in his seventies. So his older sister comes to the house with. You know that typical Jewish picture that it's kind of like black and white and they're sitting and the women have that black dress, you know, and they're the men. It's it's just very traditional. She produces this picture, this old picture, and says, I have to tell you something because you're going to Israel. Oh, my. And he's like, what? And he shows the picture and she says, we're Jews. This Mm. is. This is our, you know, our, our ancestors. And you could see the, the grandmother, I think it was, had like some kind of Jewish pendant or something. And um, so what's the end of the story? That they still found another Jew to marry. Isn't that unbelievable. something? Unbelievable. I mean, I thought, uh, unbelievable. She, she didn't know. He didn't know. But they found each other. <laughs> I wish you could put your hand on my chest right now. Because my heart is racing. I feel like I need to go run, take my blood pressure medicine. It is extraordinary because thinking about this in concept is mm-hmm. unbelievable, right? We're, we're, we're able to trace genealogy back several hundred years. Of course, through a cheek swab, that's lovely. But the, the significance of it, spiritually, prophetically, and how it brings us together, not just as good Jews and Christians, but specifically Hispanics, 
Jesse, I'm going to suggest this should be your next film. Um, it's yeah. unbelievable. What, what, tell me, Jesse, what experience have you had in any of this? Are you going to make yeah. my heart burst through the shirt? Yeah. Well, look, there's tens of thousands of stories like that. You know, um, we, we were part of a solidarity protest back in 2020 that we helped organize here in New York City. Um, uh, in response to the American Safari Federation, they called us telling us they're having a legal battle with the Spanish government, um, uh, because tens of thousands of Latinos who have applied to the law of return apparently are being discriminated, right? There were these, a bunch of applications that, um, the, the initial requirements were changed or modified where the majority of the applications were targeted from countries that naturally had problems, uh, Colombia, Venezuela, uh, you know, Republica Dominicana. So we organized this solidarity march because Latinos in New York City, not only did they see uh, this uh, situation happening to Jews of Latinos descent, but it was of Latinos of Jewish descent. Um, and it was incredible to turn out people realizing that we're connected to the Jewish community, to Jewish heritage, to Jewish history. And, um, you know, the Inquisition is something that now we're beginning to realize impacted more than just the Jewish community and indigenous community. It has impacted all of us. And so we are connected deeply. Um, and I had another encounter with a friend of mine recently. He's a publisher at Lifeway. Uh, and I'm explaining to him about this uh, event, actually, the Solidarity March. I was talking to him about a docu docu the documentary doing on Latin, uh, Jewish history in Latin America. As I'm explaining to him this, 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 whole project that we're undertaking he's pulling up a folded piece of paper from his coat pocket he hands it over to me and i open it up and it's a jewish certificate from the israeli consulate recognizing that he's jewish um, uh, he recently got his uh, citizenship in portugal because they did the whole research with lawyers and his last name goes way back to jewish families in mexico so there's hundreds of cases like this where more latinos are beginning to realize that uh, they're connected to to Jewish uh, heritage, and and this means more. You know, this means more for our 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 own identity, understanding who we are, our history, and understanding better our Jewish neighbor in the present, right? And and moving forward. So there's so much more that can be said, and I think there's going to be much more studies coming in the near future on this topic because. I think we're one of tens of thousands of conversations taking place because everybody is realizing that this is a phenomena um, in our time. Having this conversation with the two of you, I mean, it's it's really earth shattering for me. I, I was not prepared for the physical feeling that I'm having right now. Is it something that's for the two of you, like Jesse, you just said ten, it's happening tens of thousands of times. You're not, you're not saying, Oh, it's not, it's not a big deal, Jonathan. Of course it's a big deal, but how, but it's it's extraordinary. It's history. It's it's a restoration of several hundred years of a breach. How does that make you each feel? Mm. Well, I, I would, Pastor Becky, please, please. No, personally, I mean that night we cried and ate chicken soup together. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it it the feeling is one of honor and one of excitement, uh, at times bewilderment as well. What do I do with this? What do I do with this? You know, um, there are some people that get triggered to go on a path to restore 
um, their Jewishness. And uh, I've had uh, dear friends, I have a dear friend who just did her bat mitzvah a few years ago. Um, so it, it triggers many, uh, it's, it's very emotional. Um, but it, in the case of this couple, I kept asking her, how could you not know? How could you not know your pastors? Your father was a pastor. She said, yeah, but be- before he was a pastor, he was completely secular. He was completely cut off from everything. Um, then he, you know, had this experience. Uh, so he had forgotten or not known about his Jewishness. Um, uh, I have dear friends here in Houston that own a company called Family Tree DNA, and they have a myriad of stories. Uh, and um, one story was about this uh, girl. Uh, she's in Mexico. She's uh, studying medicine. She meets a lovely young man, falls in love with him. Um, he's Jewish. She's Catholic. Um, he doesn't care. She doesn't either. They get married. Um, she was very close to her grandmother, um, years go by and, uh, he decides to go to shul on high holidays. Well, um, she remembers back in Mexico in the ranch, she would go, uh, riding horses with her grandmother and out in the privacy of this huge, you know, property out in the outdoors by the mountains, the grandmother would sing and sing and sing these beautiful tunes to her. Well, lo and behold, um, when she's at high holiday, now she's in New York City, um, they go, they go to, to shul and they start singing this song. And suddenly she has a physical, wow, like breakdown, like crying and whatnot. And she says to her husband, these are the songs my grandmother sang to me when we were back in the, you know, in the ranch riding horses. These are the songs. So that triggered her. Thankfully, her grandmother was still alive. And she she called her and said, tell me the truth. Tell me everything. Wow. And her grandmother sent her uh, and she inherited uh, her Hebrew Bible. She had this, but wow. it was hidden. The, 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 I'll tell you the truth. One thing that impacts me is a generational terror and reactions to the Inquisition and to persecution and how deep uh, uh, how deep they hid their Jewishness really up until now, the modern times, there is no inquisition and still that grandmother, you know, had not openly said, Hey, we're Jews, you know, and it's okay. The first time I brought a Jewish, uh, survivor, well, a survivor, uh, of the Holocaust to my church, he, he was, uh, one of the founders of the Holocaust museum here. We had a fellowship afterwards, all the young people surrounded him. And we had one gentleman sweating, sweating. I thought he was going to have like a heart attack, honestly. Like and me. Uh huh. Like you. And, and, and like me, my heart's racing. Yeah. But he, he looked, yeah. But well, he looked really bad. This guy. I, okay. so I'm about to say, you know, do we call an ambulance or something? And he said, I have to say something, but you could just see. The stress. And finally, he said, I'm a Jew. I'm a Jew. Now, this was a church member. I'm a Jew, um, but I've not been able to say this to anybody uh, for years and years, all his life, all his life. So uh, that's, a, to me, it's amazing to see how, you know, how much they hit it. I have another friend in Mexico, beautiful lady involved in so many good things. Her grandfather is dying. She's the eldest grandchild, very close. He gives her a box. It has papers from Spain. And as he gives it to her, 
um, he looks he looks at her. Now, Jews and Hispanics, we do this. You know, we speak with our eyes. We go like, Mm-mm-mm. I could just go a little, do a few little signs, and Jesse would know what I'm saying, you know? Mm-mm. Yeah. And so he was giving her the box, but there were other people. So he gives it to her, and he looks at her and goes, we're not Jews, meaning we are Jews. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah, exactly. So... Uh, it's it's an amazing thing. Now, I once asked a rabbi that I sat with and studied with, do you think God sent all of these people ahead? You know, God is above all things. Do you think God even used the Inquisition, you know, uh, good old Ferdinand and Isabel, to send all these people to the new world for such a time as this to awaken that that flame and that desire, that spark, that this technology would come about. Think about it. Uh, it's kind of like a miracle, really. And uh, I have people that are in my team, people that you know, that did their DNA. I have a Sephardic people in Ashkenazi. And all it does is reinforce that love, that bond, and even you, you, there's so many similarities in our behavior. I mean, yeah. Jesse, right? When we go to Israel, we feel like we're with our people. I yeah. mean, we're loud. We love to eat. We love family. <laughs> so you arrive and you go, these are, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm home with these Hispanic people, but they're Jews. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Wow. Jesse, yeah. how about you? What, how does it make you feel that you're, that this is happening? Yeah, I just recently last year, uh, in October did, I spent a whole week and a half in the Dominican Republic precisely investigating Jewish history in that country. And we started with the curiosity about, you know, what, how did the Dominican Republic during the Second World War received, you know, uh, uh, 700, I think it was, uh, Jewish refugees to Sosua. And we were just diving into this topic, but we never thought that we would discover in a municipal cemetery in the capital of the Dominican Republic, Jewish tombstones that dated back to the 1800s, right? So, and this is a history that very few people know. And it's some of the, some of the academics or, or historians that have dedicated some of their years uh, to this work in the, in the last decades, they've discovered that Jewish colonies have been some of the most significant factors to improving or helping uh, uh, bring about democracy in the Dominican Republic. One of them claimed that they were the cornerstone of liberation and restoration movements in that country. So for me, that was huge, you know, because I've always heard of of the liberation movement, the, the political history of this country, but never heard of the contribution that Jewish colonies in Curaçao in particular, this island, you know, not that far from Venezuela, uh, met numerous times with one of the founding uh, fathers of this country, you know, uh, 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 oh my gosh, Juan Pablo Duarte, right? Juan Pablo Duarte navigated several times to this, to this island, supposedly to get military and financial support, uh, to, to, to bring about democracy in this country. So I think that is, it, that was incredibly impactful for me, being a child of Dominican parents, uh, growing up in Washington Heights, across the street from Jewish communities, and, and never really until, you know, the last 10 years have had friendships that were Jewish and got to know uh, the Jewish community, had Shabbat dinners with them and really got a greater appreciation of who they are. But how much of how much history we actually share together and how much I 
ought to be grateful for what they've contributed in many parts of Latin America, and in particular, this case, Dominican Republic. So for me, that was like a calling. We need to sh- talk about this. We need to tell all Dominicans and the world that that there's a greater legacy of Latin America that we're totally missing. Wow, that's amazing. You know, first of all, I, I, as you're speaking, there's so much to say. I feel like we could go on for days yeah. on this topic. To me, it's revealing. And I, I'm hoping that as we use this as a means to build bridges between Jews and Christians, I'm sure hoping that this gets shared around, obviously among Christians, but Jews, because how incredible that over hundreds of years, Hispanics have preserved these traditions and as secrets. And, and we, we, we know this, the two of you and me as a, as a former exclusively American, now a dual American Israeli citizen, too many Jews take for granted and lose their, by, by their own choice, lose the, 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 the traditions that we have and the connections and our heritage. And I'm really hoping that three or four or five or, or more people listen to this and say, wow, how can it be that people who were persecuted during the Inquisition somehow preserved all of that at risk of their lives? And here we are talking to the two of you today about, about, about refugees, people fleeing for their lives, coming, contributing and making this part of the world in which we're currently sitting a, 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 a better place. Not, not because they were Jews, but, but just because that was their orientation. I'm blown away. I want to take a quick break and then, and then come right back and pick this up, but I don't, I want to, I don't want to end this conversation. Hold on. If you're a parent like me, you know, there are plenty of reasons to worry about our kids, but there's one particular issue with enormous consequences for our kids that many are uncomfortable discussing online pornography. As kids spend more and more time online, they're being exposed to explicit sexual content at record rates. By age 13, many are exposed to graphic sexual content that has serious lasting consequences. Even though research links pornography exposure to worse mental health, unstable relationships, and other issues, the big tech companies are doing almost nothing to stop it. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Canopy, a new partner of ours that's helping parents take back control over what their kids see online. Canopy uses state-of-the-art artificial intelligence developed here in Israel to make the internet safe for our kids by blocking explicit material on every single website. You can learn more and subscribe with special rates at canopy.us. And when you use our special discount code, Genesis123 at checkout, you'll get 30 days free and 15% off your subscription forever. Your kids will thank you for life. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of had a script or, or, or a direction of where I want to take this conversation, but I'm not even sure how now. I, I, maybe, maybe Jesse, because you just mentioned, I know both of you, um, free are frequently throughout Latin America. Um, Becky, last time I was in, in the States, we missed each other because you were somewhere. I don't remember where that was. Um, but, but there's some, it's somewhere in Central America. And, but there's some incredible things happening in Latin America now with, with specifically not just people, but countries. I want to talk to you about the, on a national basis, on a human level that are moving closer to Israel, moving their embassies to Jerusalem, setting just this last, uh, this month, setting up innovation offices, um, in Jerusalem, uh, Guatemala. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, Mexico recently in Colombia. 
Yeah. Mexico, Colombia, uh, Ecuador, um, oh. and, and, and of course, Guatemala and Honduras were the first, I think, second and third countries to mm-hmm. locate their embassies in Jerusalem. Um, th- th- that's really quite significant because when you literally use the word handful of five fingers, that the fact that two of those countries are Central American countries. Yeah. Why is that happening specifically there? Is it a, is it connected to politics? Is it connected to wanting to be blessed? Is it connected to these Jewish roots that people are, are, are discovering? Pastor Becky, go. <laughs> well, in spite of the Inquisition being so thorough and coming to the new world, you know, in Peru, Colombia, and Mexico, um, we find as generations have, you know, progressed and we're in the modern era now, strong support for Israel. And we spoke already about uh, even physical DNA being in such a large percentage of our countries. But there is definitely a faith and a, a component to the support of Israel. And in speaking about uh, Latin America, Central America specifically, it is not a new thing. In fact, uh, on Holocaust Remembrance Day in Jerusalem, they honored six Latin uh, diplomats who, uh, at the time of World War II, um, did, um, they're considered righteous among the nation. They yeah. issued visas, you know, risked their, their uh, careers and all that. And when it comes to the country of Guatemala, they have a long, long relationship with Israel. Uh, and they've had, uh, Jorge Garcia Granados, who was a stellar, uh, diplomat, a man that even before 1948 was lobbying uh, the committee, uh, for Palestine. He visited Israel at the time. He went to the kibbutz and, um, I should have had the book here, but, uh, he wrote a, a wonderful, wonderful book, Palestine and how I saw it, the state of Israel and all this. And he shares all the positive arguments of how the difference between, you know, the love of the Jews that they have for this land is unbelievable. It's generational. And he lobbied other, uh, Latin, uh, diplomats to then vote in favor, uh, of the modern state of Israel, you know, coming to being. So it's just like Chaim Solomon in, in our American history. Most, a lot of people don't know about him. And yet we owe the man so much. Uh, he gave it all. Uh, we owe a lot to, to these Hispanic diplomats. And, and in this case, this man who was extremely intelligent and amazing man, and he did not do it that much for religious reasons. In his case, he did it because it made sense because historically it resonated with Uh the land and with the people and whatnot. So. Very good. Thank you, Jesse. What do you see? What do you see? Why, why uh, Latin American countries are uh, now, now it seems like tripping over each other to, to kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think that there is also in large measure um, a growth of evangelicalism or Protestantism in Latin American countries, U.S. Hispanic communities. And that tends to correlate with a stronger pro-Israel advocacy, higher, you know, more positive perception of Israel. Uh, we actually we've seen that in our experience, you know, going through all of these uh, Latin American countries, you see now that the countries that you mentioned have now grown, you know, 20 to three of 30 percent of of evangelical population. So now these communities represent, you know, 
an electoral vote, their, 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 their voice matters. These leaders are building close relationships with these diplomats. So I think there's a lot of uh, work happening as well on the ground um, that is a, a direct result of how Christianity is just you know, exploding all over Latin America uh, and U.S. Hispanic communities in particular, which is is different from other communities that you see it. You know, it, it's going down in the, you know, uh, Anglo-Saxon com- community and uh, Anglo-American community, African-American community. But with the Hispanic community, there's there's a lot of uh, new churches that are being planted in the Western hemisphere. So I think that is 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 a direct result. Uh, you know, many of these diplomats that I met in these countries, they are Christian conviction. And evangelicals, you have evangelical parties, uh, you know, forming in, in many countries. We, we, we met with a number of them, uh, in Costa, in Costa Rica, for example, in Brazil. Um, there are churches that are, uh, you know, endorsing, uh, politicians and themselves as well, starting parties in Brazil. You have these mega churches. So I think that. The evangelical church is changing in many ways, in many ways, the demographics of Latin America. And we're beginning to see that, uh, directly, uh, uh, I say manifested in the way these countries are changing their vote and strengthening their diplomacy with Israel. Thank you. You know what? You just triggered something I have to ask, and it's kind of a curveball. So I apologize in advance. Um, you, the, the comments you just made, Jesse, are fascinating on a lot of levels. For a Jewish person listening who doesn't have relationships with Christians like I do, he just he or she just heard Christian, evangelical, Protestant, and for an average Jewish person, that's all one and the same. Um, you didn't say Catholic. And part of the reason we're having this conversation now is because of the persecution of the Jews by the Catholic Church in Spain several hundred years ago. Hmm. Now, I, I know offline I've had lots of questions, conversations with with Christian friends about the 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 the, the level of of, of, of who, who's really a Christian. We have that our, we we have that problem among Jews as well, and it becomes and it becomes very divisive. But how does it make you feel as Christians that people who are Catholic several hundred years ago? Oh, and, and and even more recent, in the name of Jesus, we're persecuting the Jewish people this way. Jesse, you 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 triggered that. I want to start with you. Yeah. Um, well, I, I I must you know also you know I'll be be fair and and mentioning that you know towards the 19th century, 20th century, there was some you know persecution from Protestant Protestant Protestants as well. But uh, certainly the Catholic Church has had almost a monopoly of this persecution for thousands of years, um, and namely through the Inquisition that persecuted the church all the way you know, to Hispaniola and, and to the Caribbeans, you know, you, you had Jews in Curacao, for example, because they were concentrated there. They couldn't go anywhere else. The Inquisition was still alive, you know, and talking about the 19th century. So, you know, it's something that even though I don't identify as Catholic, I still, I, I, I owe, I, I feel like I owe some responsibility to it because I do identify as Christian and, and, and Catholics are Christians. Broadly speaking, you know, they, they embrace the, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed at the very essence. Uh, obviously, there are fundamental differences between my church and, and the Catholic Church, but um, the way the world sees the Christian world is very different, as you pointed out. So, and, and you know, as far as a, a Jewish person is concerned, um, they might see me and I say I'm a Christian and they just, 
would would assume, okay, well, you're probably responsible of persecuting my ancestors, even though I may not be, you know, directly, uh, denominationally, but still, I do identify with Christ, I identify with the New Testament, with with Christianity. So I I own up to, I own up to it, but I also in my in the current present try to be the difference, right? And 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 actually go out there and and demonstrate that not all Christians are the way, and right. and Christians even even among Catholics today. You know, recently we launched a uh, uh, an initiative called Catholic Approaches to Israel. Phaedra Shapiro, she's a, a Orthodox uh, Jewish academic in Israel, and she's working with a lot of Catholics, um, uh, both in Israel and outside, yes. uh, specifically to to create good, positive Jewish Christian dialogue. So, 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 yeah, I, I would say that would probably be my my approach to it, even though it's very complex. Um, and, and I'm sure there's different responses that people will give. Yeah. Pastor Becky, what's your response? You, you, you must come across this uh, at least a little bit from time to time. Uh, oh, of the, course, the- a lot. Um, my husband and I pastor a church in the most diverse city in the United States. I don't know if you knew that, but Houston is the most diverse city in the United States. We're the third or fourth largest and, uh, it's reflected in our congregation. Uh, and a lot of the people that attend are former Catholics that have had the experience of being born again, which your question stemmed from a Jew looking in. And that's right. something that in, in Jewish Christian relations, they just, they're just going to have to step up and, and know and learn about what that means. Um, but, um, uh, historically, like I said, the, and, and Jesse said as well, the Inquisition was in, in our countries and persecuting in a radius around them for many, many years. But I think also there's been a, a counter movement, which was it's, it's, you see the growth of evangelicalism and, uh, this coming, uh, to God through a simple gospel, through the word of God. And I think that is key more than denominations and, and those sorts of things. I think if you see people have a relationship with the Bible, when they start reading the Old Testament and in Catholicism, that was greatly discouraged. Although, although I will say that now is a new day. Yes. Catholics are reading their Bibles. Uh, there are, uh, it used to be, you know, even mass used to be said and, you know, uh, shared in, in Latin. There have been changes after, you know, Vatican II. So, it, 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 when scripture is available to the people and they read the old and the new testaments, both because both are part of our Christian Bible and both are equally important, uh, then it's really hard to be anti-Semitic and it's uh. really hard to separate Jesus from his Jewishness. And it's really hard to forget that Jesus self-identifies as a Jew in the last book of the Bible, like at the end review, boom, you know, uh, he 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 brings that to to bear. It's not like a UN Jesus. It's no, I'm 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 of the root of Jesse. I'm I'm a son of David. I'm a Jew. You know, wow. so we can't divorce these things from 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 reality. And this it's the Bible that illuminates people. You just it's directly related to your relationship to the Bible more than your denomination. Because okay. now we have social media. You can, be one, there's no control really of a denomination over people the way they had it before. Now we can, we can be informed in any type of forum. 
So people are, 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 are getting this in many ways. And also I must hasten to say, this isn't just a faith-based thing. If we put faith aside, just to see the meteoric rise of Israel from 48 to 2022 in such a short period of time with their contributions to humanity, with their uh, in, in so many fields, you know, high tech, they're a strong economy they have, uh, in medical fields, uh, agriculture, water technology, you know, on and on and on. Not only do we have that foundation and that commonality of Judeo-Christian values, but on the secular side, hey, if it, it's like Israel wine. If you, if you go to a competition without the label, without them knowing that the wine comes from Israel, they're going to win prizes. So if you just describe this country that in such a short period of time has skyrocketed and is such an A1 country, I would want to do business with them. And yeah. that's why you see these innovation centers, you know, initiatives and all this sort of thing. Latin Americans are very smart, very smart. Got it. Got it. That's excellent. So, now, so you know, I, I didn't say it well enough earlier, but it's been it's been my sense, and I still can't really put my finger on it, that in my decades of walking with Christians and building bridges, there is something that's, I would say, qualitatively deeper in terms of the relationship, uh, or, or maybe more in, in indigenous, if I can use that word, among Hispanic Christians as compared to non-Hispanic. And that's not a judgment. It's just that I, I feel it. I was thinking about it and preparing for it. And and I wonder, I mean, you, you, you've you each addressed it, but I want to ask you if to, to comment on that, but also from the flip side, from the half full. It's also my sense that within the Hispanic community, that there's less anti-Semitism, there's less replacement theology. And those two go relatively naturally together. Um, what am I, am I off base? Do you want to add, tell, comment on that? Jesse, you're nodding. Yeah. <laughs> In vigorous uh, agreement. Yes. Uh, you know, I would say yes and no. Yes. In one sense, um, there is, uh, probably less replacement theology in, in Hispanic, uh, evangelical congregations or Hispanic congregations. Um, there, you know, for example, there, you know, in terms of a, a line of theology, dispensationalism is, is the most prevalent among Hispanic churches and dispensationalism, uh, is, is a line of theology that's very compatible with Israel, right? They, they, people that embrace this tend to be very pro-Israel. Um, and the Hispanic community in large measure embrace, uh, uh, embraces dispensationalism. However, um, I would say that, um, at the same time, you will find many congregations that, although on the one hand, they would say they're very pro-Israel, they have a very positive perception of, of Israel. On the other hand, um, you'll, you might discover that they have a very negative perception of the Jewish people. So ah. there's a disconnect in, in the way that some of these communities, uh, perceive Israel and how they perceive the Jewish people. So I don't know, I don't think there's, violent anti-Semitism, but there's definitely a lot of bad ideas floating around about the Jewish people, conspiracy theories, um, and, and just, you know, ignorance, you know, lack of just knowing better, not having that, that closeness or that relationship with their Jewish neighbor and, and, you know, painting oh. a broad brush, you know, of the, of the community. Uh, so, so, so yes, that's why my response is kind of both and. I think that on the okay. one hand, yeah, they're very gun ho pro Israel. You know, they'll take 
hundreds and hundreds of people to Israel. They're advocate in front of Israel, but the interpersonal relationship between Jews and Latinos vary uh, depending on the community and, and in some regards is, is worse than how they perceive Israel. It makes sense what you said, both because of, of a, a lower per capita exposure to Jewish people, and also there's a linguistic barrier. Uh, mm-hmm. Sadly, I made the choice to study French in high school, and I, having these conversations, I'm really regretting that. Um, Pastor Becky, what do you, what are your, what's your experience in that? Well, see, I, I grew up in Puerto Rico, and my experience is a little bit different because uh, we have all forms of Judaism in Puerto Rico, and the perception... <laughs> of of Jews. I grew up surrounded by Jews, but I never knew so much that they were Jews because my parents never said, he's a Jew, she's a Jew. We were just friends. Uh, and- in fact, I had an aunt that converted uh, to Orthodox Judaism. And all, all I knew that was different was all these different plates and we didn't mix stuff. <laughs> Uncle Abe was a great storyteller and he never went into the Catholic church for weddings, but he was the first one out the door throwing rice. But, you know, I, after I became an adult, I noticed, oh, but he was never inside the church and, you know, and all that sort of thing. They, they were kosher, you know? Um, so I grew up, um, interacting very easily and not, not, not confronting any type of anti-Semitism, uh, but Puerto Rico has a little bit of a different history. You know, right. in 1898, we uh, the Americans defeated the Spaniards and became a, a Commonwealth later on, uh, you know, U.S. possession and a Commonwealth. Um, but um, you, what, what I, I have, I used to have an Israel class on Sunday nights. I had it in English for two hours and then in Spanish. Um, in the evening. And uh, one time I traveled. So Albert Rodriguez, whom you know, is uh, our executive manager at the church, he was over the class and it was Fiddler on the Roof that he uh, shared. So we shared it with the English speaking class, which our church is extremely diverse. I have people uh, from, you know, Africa to Pakistan to white Americans, black Americans. It's a, just a big mix of uh, people from the islands. And then in the Spanish class, same thing. Um, uh, just uh, people from many, many nations. It's wonderful when we eat together, right? <laughs> I miss it, but whatever. And uh, when I called Albert to see how the class went, he said it was so interesting because the Hispanics had such an emotional reaction to Fiddler on the Roof. Oh. They connected right away with this man. They connected to his plight, to his suffering, to all kinds. Why? And that was the great, pero por qué? He didn't, you know, break the law. He didn't. Do it. Why is he being, you know, kicked out of what? And uh, and the and in the other class, they had questions as well. But the reaction was not as emotional, you know, and as as I don't want to say it wasn't deep. It was, but they had a, a different perspective. You see, so it's just part of it is our essence. It's our culture. Yeah. Uh, it's the way we feel. The way we perceive the world. Uh, and that, you know, that, that type of thing. Um, but, um, everywhere I've gone in my years in Latin America, um, you also run into some, um, some words or refrains or, you know, some expressions that can, can be seen as anti-Semitic. We did a study about that as well. Um, and, um, but the good news is that I have found that Hispanics are always very hungry for knowledge. And when yeah. you bring education, that's why, um, in Kufi and all the demographics uh, were growing 
on all of them. We don't see this drop. We're, we're, we're growing, but it comes through enlightenment, through education, both through the Bible and also just the amazing, uh, secular stuff that Israel's doing on sure. so many levels. It's just very convincing, uh, for anyone. So you, you, you either you reach, uh, that conclusion through knowledge and what Israel is in a secular way, or you reach this admiration through faith and once you're there, if you go, it just enlightens your faith, you know, and revives it all the more. But, um, but yeah, we do have uh, some leftover anti-Semitism. Look, when the Catholic Church was um, instituting, you know, all their doctrine and whatnot, remember, it was in a language not of the people. Um, and uh, I don't think that I could have explained to you replacement theology or any anti-Israel sentiment or let's not say anti-Israel. Let's just say anti-Jewish or not so much pro-Jewish sentiment that did not that doesn't trickle down to the masses, per se, except in like colloquial stuff. And, and yeah, some some tropes and some ideas of Jews Um but and the sad thing is that then when an encyclical comes along to say Jews did not crucify Christ, that does not trickle down to the people either. Mm-hmm. So we still have work to do. But I think through education, it's easily, um, yeah. easily dealt with. Yeah, I think, you know, Pastor Kenya mentioned a very good point. There's many, you know, one of the advantages that Hispanic and Latino communities have that there's so many avenues to connect with Israel and the Jewish community. Um, and, and there's so many benefits that we see in our friendship with them. So the Latinos, they don't only view Israel through the lens of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, but through all of the innovations, the humanitarian aid, the diplomacy, the, com- the, the, the you know, the economy. Um, I was in Bolivia back in uh, early 2020, just right before the pandemic became uh, a really explosive thing, right? And we were we were traveling to several countries, and in Bolivia, Bolivia at that point they had just gone through a peaceful uh, revolution. Uh, Evo Morales had been ousted from government because of an apparent election fraud, and they had formed this temporary government um, with uh, the um, uh, president, uh, interim president Janine, uh, who was presiding at that time. And the first decision that they made as a, a temporary government after ousting Evo Morales was to restore relations with Israel. Why? Wow. Because back in 2014, Evo Morales declared Israel a terrorist state. And, and for them, Israel was not just, you know, a theological conviction. It was a wow. political uh commitment, conviction, you know, we need to change direction. We break, you know, you, you, you strengthen ties with Israel automatically. That means you're breaking ties with Venezuela, with Iran, with, uh, 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 you know, Cuba and, and so forth, you know, and breaking away from the pulls of socialism at, to embrace democracy and capitalism, right? They, they see Israel as well as another avenue or a proxy avenue to build stronger relationships with the U.S. as well, because it's no, it's no, uh, you know, secret to anybody, the historic relationships that, he, that exist between the two countries. So I think there's there's so many ways that we can strengthen ties and see the benefit that exists between being closer to our Jewish neighbors rather than not. I'm so glad you just shared that about Bolivia, because I would say it's it's not the same, of course, to restore ties as it is to move an embassy to Jerusalem. But honestly, it's no less significant. 
Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, matter of fact, you could even make a case that it's even more significant to to make a um, um, diplomatic 180 degree turn as compared to moving an embassy from uh, Tel Aviv 40 miles away. Um, mm. I think that's extraordinary. Thank you for sharing that. In addition to inspiration from Zion, another Genesis 123 Foundation program run for Zion is the first program uniquely for Christians centered around the Jerusalem Marathon, creating meaningful and lasting experiences. We look forward to having you be able to join us in person soon, but now are offering you a way to connect from wherever you are in the world through virtual tours, webinars, and briefings. For information or to register, please go to runforzion.com. Join Run for Zion and bless Israel with every step. In the, in the last little bit, I want to wrap up with something that's kind of more broad as it relates to um, uh, an overall trend among Christians vis-a-vis Israel and, and talk about it through uh, an Hispanic lens. We've seen in our lifetimes incredible increase of support for Israel among Christians all over the world. And it's, we're, we're speaking specifically about uh, about Hispanics today, but it's happening everywhere, and that's it's heartwarming. It's incredible. It's um, it's a it's a ri- it's a repair of a two, almost two thousand year old uh, rift. But while all this is happening, it's exactly just a year ago now, the first of two surveys came out. It's disappointing. It's scary that young Christians are dropping their support for Israel or have dropped by 50% in the previous decade. And I'm wondering how you see that play out in the Hispanic community, if at all. And do you, or, or, or do you see any different trends? Um, may ahead. I answer that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't particularly believe that it's a 50% drop as those two, uh, articles uh, portrayed okay. one was published and the other one was not and um you know uh but what you, i think what you're seeing though is a general drop in people in church attendance um that that type of thing and then when you when you do a poll in that atmosphere then you get these skewed oh. numbers honestly and sincerely i think that's true now i think that young people we talk i talked about social media and all, all that. And, um, there are, there are many topics that come into play when it comes to pro-Israel support. And that demographic, you know, millennials, Gen Z's and all these are exposed to, to a lot of narratives. So I, um, and even in these countries, like you mentioned Bolivia, I think, uh, the, this change that they did is actually heroic because there's a lot of other narratives coming in that they're fighting. Uh, against that we haven't even mentioned, you know, here. Um, but, um, I, I just, uh, don't necessarily see, uh, uh, that it's time to, you know, uh, to be totally discouraged because 50% of the, I don't think that's completely accurate. Um, you don't think it's completely accurate? It's not what we're seeing on the ground and we're involved in taking thousands upon thousands of young people to Israel. Not only that followed up with education, this, that, and the other. Um, it's just not what we're seeing there. There are some, um, who, who, you know, make noise about it and yes, are, are maybe even changing their mindset about, uh, about Israel. But I will say one thing, uh, there is this, it's almost like a cyclical thing. People tend to return 
uh, I don't want to call it orthodoxy, but to facts and to data. And that's why I think not only uh, through the Bible, but also sharing what Israel is and does uh, is so convincing to this particular generation, mm. to this particular generation who is, is I think, also being targeted. Great. Yeah, yeah I, I think semantics has a lot to do with it when it comes to these surveys, because I, I, I tend to see that our young people are becoming more spiritual, actually, more inclined to spiritual things, but, you know, more or less inclined to sort of the establishment, right? And, and staying away, so, you know, from like you know, big church is sort of the, this, this enchantment that they have because of, you know, whatever bad history that they've, you know, they've experienced, whether in church with their parents, with their uh, leadership, you know, we were, for example, part of a hit piece. Um, from a, a young, uh, DC thinker and, and, uh, she, 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 you know, she was trying to do a hit piece against really, you know, just pro-Israel advocacy in the Hispanic evangelical community. And she started by giving her personal experience and how she grew up in a very pro-Israel Pentecostal church. Both her parents were pastor. You know, they blew the shofar. They, they wore their prayer shawl. They did the whole nine yards. They celebrated Israel, but, when she grew up as a young teenager, she's in Egypt, a Palestinian professor, it basically persuades her, uh, and not only, you know, b- b- almost persuades her to give up Christianity altogether, right? Uh, but, but, but at, at the very least, she, she managed to salvage some Christianity, but completely abandon her parents' uh, position on Israel. And she said, like, for the first time, she was challenged because of the things that, that she believed. Uh, and I think that many young people are in her shoes that uh, perhaps, you know, the establishment or other communities have failed them and giving them the proper reasons to believe what they believe. And when, when they're challenged, they don't know how to they don't know how to defend their their faith. They don't know why at that moment. Right. And and I think that some of our young people, I, I don't know exactly what the numbers are, but but I can certainly see how some of our young people are are getting lost along the way because of because of that. That is true. And that's, um, from my perspective, uh, what we have found at Kufa on campus has been very effective doing this for over a decade, doing this type of work. But now Kufi has started Kufi High School because the challenges that students faced at university are now being faced in high school. Uh, yeah. Israel, uh, th- look, there's a spiritual component to this. Um, it, why don't, why aren't people attacked if they, uh, if they talk about North Korea or Syria, you know, or some other country where there's, uh, all kinds of challenges? It's always Israel. I had an experience in my church. An eight year old comes home and says, Mommy, why is Israel so mean to the Palestinians? Now she had been in that two hour class on Sundays and she said, What do you mean? What happened? Goes to school, finds out a Palestinian professor, unauthorized, puts on the platform for homework and whatnot, all kinds of YouTube videos that are inaccurate historically. There's like no debate here, just inaccurate information, but beginning to sow this information in children's uh, minds. Why Why not uh, talk about some other country that's actually really doing bad stuff, you know? So at the end of the day, what I want to say is that either through faith or through a secular secular perspective. Um, I support Israel. We support Israel and educate continuously. 
and now younger and younger generations, and we can do it also in our churches as a pastor. This is something I do too, not just putting the flag on the platform, keep it on the platform, but and don't just sing Kumbaya, I love Israel. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you know, blow the shofar and everything, but let's get some courses in there. Let's give them some, you know, real information to our people, to our young people, so they can know and defend themselves, even from a secular point of view, uh, on when they're, you know, when other, uh, narratives come in. But, the, but this, um, at the end of the day, Israel is stable. You can't deny that. At the end of the day, Israel is a place that, although being attacked, is a place of peace, plurality, diversity, freedom, human rights. I'm a woman. I mean, human rights for women on so many, you know, levels. Um, so in, uh, from, from that perspective, as a person and as an American or a Latin American or whatever, uh, it's just makes sense to support Israel. And when Israel is stable, I mean, we know that, I mean, they're protecting Arab Christians, Palestinians, you know, all these people are safer when Israel is safe. So that, that's, I think, a balanced way of, of seeing, you know, both, both sides of it. By the way, thank you for that. Offline, uh, not for publicity yet, I want to share with both of you something that we're doing with the Genesis 123 Foundation that's going to be, that's protecting Arab Christians here. So it's actually so important to me. Um, I, I, I want to ask you two things, two last things. I'm just not sure what's the sequence. All right. I know it's the sequence. You both are, you've both been around the block. Like me, you, you, from your side as Christians, you're building bridges and, and, and creating tremendous understanding. Um, but, and, and you probably know this. I don't know if I've ever shared it personally. Um, but I get a lot of pushback from, from fellow Jews about what I do, um, on a lot of levels. And a lot of Jews don't understand. Uh, we were talking, I think it was Jesse, you who said earlier, talking about how, uh, initially how Jews will kind of all just bunch anyone who, who, who looks, walks and talks like a Christian as Christians. And, 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 and we have this baggage. So I, I know that there are Jews who are listening to these programs and I, and I'm thankful for that because it needs to be a breaking down of barriers on both sides. What do each of you want to say to Jewish people who are listening now, who don't really understand for, as Hispanics, but certainly as Christians, or are even suspicious about your support for Israel? Pastor Becky, you want to? <laughs> yeah, I well, first of all, I understand where you're coming from. Although I'll never fully understand it because my ancestor, my, my relatives were not killed in the Holocaust. So, but my father fought in second world war, North Africa, Italy and Germany, uh, because even as a Christian and as a Hispanic, a Puerto Rican man in the U.S. Army, he knew what was right and what was wrong. And that should count for something. Yeah. As a pastor now, I am that other generation and a uh, second generation of that generation, the great gener- the greatest generation, then my children. I am training them to understand and to have a perspective of history. And as a person of faith, my faith comes from that crib, from that womb, which is Israel. Wow. My, my principles and values. Not only that. A lot of legal principles and civilization comes from the Bible text itself. So we have great respect 
and we honor you in that sense. Yes, in the past, we own the mistakes in general that as a church and in the name of Christ, we've committed against you. And for that, we are very apologetic and sorry. And while my hand was not in it, dipped in blood against uh, your past generations, I apologize in proxy for that. But it's a new day, so don't hold it against me. Uh, because yeah. now I am completely uh, in the education sector, which I know you believe in, and we have that in common. I heard that during persecution, you can't take anything with you. In good times and bad times, the greatest deposit a Jew had was to educate himself in his mind, in his heart. No one could take that away. And I want to appeal to that in you today in 2022. Continue educating yourself about this new movement about Christian Zionists. It's not to hasten the coming of Christ so your children who are in the IDF get killed somehow and we take over. All that um, particular thing, I think, is unfortunately, uh, that's also an anti-Christian trope or anti-Zionist trope that's been promoted greatly in political circles uh, for 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 political reasons. And sure. while we might not believe in everything uh, the same, we're called to be united, not to be exactly uh, the same carbon copies. But we stem from uh, a true, sincere belief in the Bible uh, and in honoring you for all the principles and values uh, secularly that we've derived from you. So I, I would say thank you and give us a chance uh, and well, let's break bread together. Well said. Jesse, how about you? That's a, that's a tough act to follow. Yes, very tough, very tough. I, I would just simply say, uh, you know, be patient with us. Um, this is relatively new to a lot of people to be able to understand Jewish history, understand their Jewish neighbor. Um, a lot of it, a lot of the bad ideas, the anti-Semitism stems from ignorance, stems from conditioning. We've been conditioned to think and believe in certain ways. And um, I think that once we are able to see the light in that respect, we are able to see the lies that have for so long um, uh, distorted our perception of the Jewish community and in many cases have been manifested in, in horrific, horrific uh, violent attacks towards a community. So be patient, uh, but also I would say be open minded. I think we're living in a very unique time in history, you know, for for almost the whole history of the church, whether Catholic or Protestant. Um, you know, the Christian church has grown alongside an Israel that did not exist in the map a Jewish people that were dispersed around the world. Um, but in the last 74, 75 years, that's not the case. And I think that the church, as a result, is learning a new phase in its history. It's learning what this means theologically, politically, yeah. learning in many ways. So um, I would actually say also be relational, uh, relational. Reach out to us. If there are opportunities to collaborate with the Hispanic community, go out there. Don't be afraid because I believe that you will be uh, extraordinarily surprised of the things that you learn, the new things, and also the friendships that you'll build um, and hopefully the impact that we'll make together. Wow. I, this has been a deep conversation. I'm so grateful. And I, and, and I don't know, maybe after this weekend when we're, when we're together and I can process processes more, maybe we'll think of what's the follow-up, but there's, there's a lot, there's a lot going on. God's doing some amazing, amazing things. 
And I'm so grateful for, for, for that and for the both of you taking time to share um, something that I didn't know enough about myself. And, and now you've educated me and, and um, I pray that this will, will continue to go. Thank you. If you stayed with us this long, I always like to say you, re- you deserve a reward. Although, honestly, today's conversation was a reward in and of itself. If you've been following inspiration from Zion, you know that the Genesis 123 Foundation has been offering a special gift every month, which we call From Jonathan's Bookshelf. This month, we'll be giving away a special volume relating to Israel and the history of Israel and some of the topics that we're discussing here today. And all you need to do to win is go to the Inspiration from Zion social media and follow and like us. When you comment and share the link to the program there, we will select one winner at random. We're grateful that this podcast is sponsored by our friends at the Willow Run Greenhouse in Culpeper, Virginia. If you're in the area and need something, please pop in or just go to say hi and thank them for helping make this program possible. Also, thank you to the Coyne family for their meaningful sponsorship. Inspiration from Zion and all the Genesis 123 Foundation programs are made possible by donations, so please consider joining us to help continue the dialogue and to build bridges. This episode, we are privileged to sponsor in memory of Rabbi Arie Scheinberg, who died just a year ago at this time. Rabbi Scheinberg was a pillar and a pioneer from the Jewish side of building bridges and outreach with Christians, and it's it's we miss him dearly, and he was a good friend of mine and Pastor Becky's. And um, we're, we're privileged to share this conversation in his memory. If you'd like to sponsor a conversation like this or a future episode in honor or memory of a loved one or a special occasion, please be in touch at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your comments as part of a dialogue and invite you to send any questions as well, especially questions you have about Judaism for our Ask the Rabbi programs. Please share this conversation with others who will also find it of interest and continue to join us right here as we bring you more meaningful conversations about unique topics relating to Israel that you won't hear anywhere else. Wherever you are in the world, I pray that you and your loved ones are all safe and send my blessings from right here in the Judean mountains. God bless you.